Hello, I'm Dr. Geraldine Agee, Miles College Provost and Senior Vice President of Academic Affairs. And I'm here to tell you that now is your time. Miles College is Birmingham's premier four-year HBCU. We offer intimate class sizes, accessible faculty, and a personalized career plan with you in mind. Whether it's your first time in college or you want to return and finish, please come experience Miles College and let us invest in your future. Okay, well, if I got to tell you my joke, then, you know, I mean, you know what I'm here for, right? Yeah. I'm Black Women's Mental Health Institute, right? right? So you know that's a cause that's very near and dear to my heart. Mm -hmm. And part of the reason it's very near and dear to my heart is because mental health runs in my family, which is really funny because neither one of my parents are very athletic. <laughs> there you go that's all you get that's all i, I got. like it i like it so what did the shark say when he ate the clownfish what did he say this tastes a little funny oh god <laughs> <laughs> so silly Dr. Nadia Richardson is a mental health advocate, diversity, equity, and inclusion consultant, professor and founder of Black Women's Mental Health Institute, a national nonprofit organization dedicated to building awareness and support for the mental and holistic well-being of Black women and girls. BWMHI continues to blaze trails in black mental health with signature programs such as the Mental Health Equity and Liberation Summit, No More Martyrs, No More Martyrs, Sisterhood Support Collective, Sister Speak Suicide Awareness Initiative, and Voting Matters to Our Mental Health Campaign. Most recently, BWMHI partnered with Alabama A&M University Department of Psychology and, Con and Counseling, Alabama Counseling Association Division for Multicultural Counseling and Development. These are some long... Who are you telling? That's why I said them. Uh -uh. The but see, this is impressive. <laughs> Like, some people make their bio long, and it's just long with bullshit. This is cool. And the Alabama Counseling Association, Chapters 2 and 4, to conduct the Mental Health Fellows Pilot Program for graduate students of color obtaining a master's degree in the field of counseling. And there are so many more. A whole lot of stuff in there because we're doing stuff in Birmingham within the state and then across the country. So, so let me ask you this: Yes, what was it like growing up in Enterprise? I didn't grow up in Enterprise. Oh, you were born in yes. Enterprise. What took? Where did you go next? What was what was your matriculation through school? That kind of thing. So 
my understanding, I was born in Enterprise. We left there when I was a few months and went to Fayetteville, North Carolina, Fort Bragg. And I was there till I was in maybe fifth or sixth grade and then moved to Redstone Arsenal, Huntsville, Alabama. So you were Army bred. Yeah. We moved around with the family. My, my brother was born in Piscataway, New Jersey. My sister, um, Fayetteville, North Carolina. And then I was born in Enterprise. So... From your memory, where was your favorite station? I would probably say, I would probably say North Carolina. I had a lot really? of great memories. I remember living in a neighborhood where I could walk to school. I thought that was really cool. Um, I'm an outdoorsy. I was an outdoorsy child. I'm an outdoorsy adult. I love to hike, kayak. I will still climb trees if you let me. Um, so I like being outside. And I remember. Yeah, when a, you take pictures, this. You can see me outside, yeah, right? Yeah, you outside. Yeah, I, I stay outside now, if it's, especially if it's sunshine and a beach or somewhere, I'm going to be outside and, you know, in a boat somewhere. So um, in North Carolina, it's, the pine trees there are so gorgeous okay. and um, dogwood trees and things like that. So I loved climbing trees. I had this one tree in one of our backyards where I actually um, took nail and hammer and built steps yeah. to the one of the top parts of the tree and then built myself a little seat where I could sit up there and read books. I loved being in trees, loved being outside. So I, That does not I have, surprise me for, really? for whatever reason. Yeah, <laughs> that just, that sounds so you. Yeah. And what about high school? So were high you, school. Were you in the band? Oh my Cheerleader? Gosh. What, 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 what would you? Both. Both? Oh okay. my gosh. So I, um, I loved band. So I played the flute. Then I moved on to the clarinet. I tried to get to the sax, and my um, band director was like, nah, but he let me go um, bass clarinet during concert season. And that's not the sax, but it has a very deep, nice sound to it. So it made me feel like I was in the sax because I had this long instrument in front of me. Um, And I often, you know, you you have the band click, right? So we hung out. (laughs) This one time Yeah, like right. I know, right? It was a whole. It's a whole click. I'm still, you know, close friends with a lot with a lot of them. We'd be in there playing cards, listening to music, going on the band trips, acting a fool, um, and we would make fun of the cheerleaders. <laughs> but I love to dance. Yeah. So when this opportunity came up um, to be a cheerleader, I said, okay, all right, you know what? I'm gonna go ahead and try. I'm probably not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna make it. I never took dance formally. I never, I didn't even know what a toe touch was for real or how to move my body in that way. But I tried out and I made it and it ended up being a really fun opportunity. My friends joked with me and laughed with me, uh, made fun of me as they should. Yeah. You know, I did what I did. What was really fun was that they gave me the opportunity to do both sometimes during a game. Okay. So especially like if it was homecoming or something like that, I could go play in the band a little bit and then go down on the field and do what I'm doing over there. Yeah. So it was it was a lot of fun. That's good. I was in the mix. I was pretty active. In college? Oh, oh wait, I didn't say this either. I was oh. the only black cheerleader at my high school until guess who came along? I was I was varsity. Guess who came along? She's here in Birmingham. She owns a PR firm. Go ahead and say your name. You know it. You got it. You got it. Yes. Really? Yes. She was at Huntsville High. I was varsity. She ended up coming under me as JV, and we were the two only black cheerleaders in Huntsville High. Wow. Isn't that funny? When I came down here and saw her, she saw me, we were like, really? (laughs) Of all places, (laughs) right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, 
college. What yes. was the college experience? I left and did one year um, at Oglethorpe University. Mm-hmm. And um, where pri- is Oglethorpe? Atlanta, okay. Buckhead, very okay. private school. And honestly, if I tell you, if I really, you want the full t- testimony? Absolutely. Let me give you the full testimony. Here's let me give you let me give you my story because yeah. clearly this is the environment you've created Absolutely. in this space. Absolutely. And I've told this to a few church members, so let me go ahead and put this out and hope it blesses someone's yeah. life. I was a I was a pretty good high school student, but I wasn't thinking about college. I really wasn't. And I part of it was um I was raised by a mother who um when my parents divorced, so I was raised by my mother. She went to college maybe when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. And I just remember thinking, I'm not going to ask her to do something for me that she can't do in regards to paying for college. And I also wasn't really knowledgeable about applying to student loans, getting scholarships. I wasn't knowledgeable. So I wasn't thinking about college in the way a lot of my friends were and planning and preparing. So it was a friend of mine who said, hey, I'm going to a college fair after school. You should come with me. And I went, but I was just going to hang out. Like I wasn't going to talk or you know engage with anybody Mm -hmm. what ended up happening and i'm gonna tell y'all this really hurt my spirit is some of the recruiters tried to pick me up it was very inappropriate i felt very uncomfortable it was not cool it was really weird oh you mean pickup yes yes commenting on body doing all that kind of foolishness right except this one guy who is i'm friends with him to this day said hey what about oglethorpe and i was like i don't know anything about oglethorpe right Mm -hmm. but it was like um well you can come and do a a campus weekend where we invite possible recruits to come and stay the weekend. We show you around campus. We show you the classes. We, you know, show you Atlanta. You should mm-hmm. come. And I was like, cool, a free weekend in Atlanta? Okay, I'm going to go. It'll be fun, right? <laughs> Why not? I went and they immediately recruited me into the school. And I was like, oh, and I get to go and you're going to pay for stuff? All right, cool. So I went and had a great first year. But the thing is, it's a private school. Uh-huh. So when I got there, you know, the tuition covered a lot. Then I had work study and all these other kind of things. And then to really make ends meet, I started to get these other jobs. And I was mm-hmm. like, man, this is ridiculous. I was I was doing the most over there. Mm-hmm. And at the end of my freshman year, I said, you know what? I'm not going to do this. Like I was working multiple jobs. It was not working. I wasn't making ends meet. I didn't feel like there was anyone I could ask for financial support to do this. I was like, you know, what? I'm going to go work. And mm-hmm. then maybe I'll save some money and come back to school. And what ended up happening is, Prepare yourselves. Mm-hmm. My dad's second ex-wife. <laughs> yeah, see, go ahead and calculate that. My dad's second ex-wife, who, you know, my dad, I have a not a very strong relationship with him. But she called and asked me how college was going. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, you know, I'm wrapping up my freshman year and I'm going to go work. And she said, I don't understand why you never went to school in Alabama. You can go to school there for free. And I was like, what are you talking about? And she said, when your dad was in the military, you know, he got a benefit where all of his kids could go to school. I finished my freshman year, completed paperwork, and started UAB within two or three months after finding that information out. I had no idea. But when I got there, my room and board was paid for. Like, all of this stuff was happening. And I was like, oh, this, yes, I'm going to do this. And once I came to UAB, I started to thrive. I I still worked. You know, people joke it's a Jamaican thing, right? So I still had two or three. (laughs) (laughs) I still had two or three jobs because I was just like, I got to make sure things are met. I became an RA, became very active. I was a golden girl. Um, I was a cheerleader for a little while with the wrestling team. Um, I studied abroad. I had a ball at UAB and then said, well, I guess I'm going to go work for a little while, right? Um, So I graduated on a Saturday, moved to Houston on a Sunday and started work on Monday. 
and work. I mean, like I had a ball in college, super active, you know, had a great time. And here's a funny story about UAB, if anyone's listening. I had so many scholarships and financial supports. I had so many on-campus jobs that when I became a, I believe it was when I became a Golden Girl, because I was an RA as well. Uh-huh. UAB called and said, you're making too much money from the university. You're going to have to drop one of the activities you're doing. Like I was literally hustling up some dollars and they were like, your tuition's paid for, wow. room and board is paid for, your meal plan is paid for. Like, what are you doing? You can't be making all this. And Golden Girls came with a stipend too. They were like, yeah, you're going to have to back off all of a sudden money. I was like, that's shady. <laughs> so so the, the job I ended up giving up was I was an intramural referee for volleyball. And I... <laughs> Seriously, and I, I gave you had that nothing job else to do. I, yeah, I, I was I was hustling up on some you stuff, right? Up. Yeah. So I ended up working in with a company in Houston. They mm-hmm. transferred me to DC. So that's how I ended up doing those things. I was growing, living in those places, and um, what I realized is that people were getting promoted over me that were younger than me because they had a master's, and I was like, man, I guess. You know, I wouldn't even think about this bachelor's, but I guess I got to go get this master's, right? It's like, I'm not going to get these promotions that I feel like I deserve in these these companies I'm working with. So I started looking at some things and I said, um, let me look around. I still had some benefits here in, in Birmingham. So I was like, <clears throat> maybe, or in the state of Alabama, maybe I can go to Alabama. And I ended up applying to and getting accepted to UA for a master's program. And hustling up some stuff, right? I called their residential life office and said, hey, you know, I got accepted. I got a little bit of scholarship. I was an RA in undergrad and it paid for my room and board. I'm curious if if I can come there, if you have any openings, if I could be an RA RA as well. And they were Mm -hmm. like, well, you were RA for how many years? I was like, about two, two and a half, almost three years. They were like, well, you know, if you have that much experience, why don't you come and be a hall director? And I was like, bet, as long as my room and board is paid for. You know what they said? It's not just room and board, your entire tuition. I got my master's for free. Oh, wow. Never even planned on getting a bachelor's. Now I got a bachelor's for free, a master's for free. Story doesn't end, right? I graduate with my master's, and I had some phenomenal relationships with some professors. And one of my professors was like, hey, I want you to apply to a doctorate. I was like, look, ma'am, I'm about to go get a job. I need to go, I need <laughs> right. to go work. I need to work. But, and this is how God you know, brings things together, I applied to a bunch of jobs and I wasn't getting anything. And I was interested in leaving the state again because I like to travel. I'm a bit nomadic. And um, and I wasn't getting anything. She was like, Nadia, apply to the scholarship. You can get the scholarship. Apply to the scholarship. I was like, oh, man, you know what? That'll be my plan B if I don't get a job. Didn't get any job. Applied to scholarship. Got my PhD for free. Praise God. Right? So here I am, a uh, you know, senior in high school, not even thinking about college. Fast forward a few years. I'm Professor Richardson. I'm walking on campuses. I'm teaching classes. I'm doing research. I'm doing all these other things. And when I look back on it and I'm like, this, it makes literally no, no sense if you don't have a faith foundation. I look back and I'm like, God knew exactly where he wanted me to go. And he was going to make sure I had every door open to allow me to do it. And and I, I love it. I love academia. I love teaching. I will probably go to school forever if you let me. I get all the degrees because I love to learn. Um, so now that I look back on it and I'm like, wow, I'm, I, I'm so appreciative of what he's done for me already, but super excited because he's doing the same things now. Like the things I'm doing now make no sense. None okay. at all. Now, you are like my mommy, right? <laughs> okay. No, I'm serious because... 
you know, I always think of the song. I can't think of the the girl that sings, but I'm not your super woman. Karen Washington. Yeah, baby. like yes. y'all, are the, y'all are the super women. Like I did this and that and other. So you have such a wonderful career going on, and I can't wait to talk about it in specific. But all is not professional. There is personal things going on as well. And a little birdie told me that one of my previous podcast uh, uh, people that came on. Yes, that's the word I'm looking for. That's the word I'm looking for being so dramatic. I can't even talk. So a little birdie told me that you happen to know another one of my guests and I in the spirit today oh happy black history month thank you yes and in the spirit of the month of love we'd love to hear your love story he's gonna ask me to tell the love story yep so okay all the corn all the corn corny 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 let's get it okay I'm not all the deets. <laughs> Just a few. Just Here's, the romantic Okay, so here's deets. the thing. I, and we talked about this a little bit before we, mm-hmm. you know, started. Um, was married previously, and when that marriage ended, was like, I'm never going to get married again. Never. Never. Like, ne- try to. I thought you said, people should never say never. Though. I mean, <laughs> people clearly, that whole but thing about if you want to. I said never. Never. I Not said I tried. And I, I, I have this conversation on a regular basis with my single friends. Um, it's not for everybody. And I truly believe it. And, and if you're a Bible, you know, believe in person, it says so in the Bible. Like there are some people that it's not, they're not designed for it, And that's okay. Um, and if you have that solid belief in yourself that I can live a happy, um, successful, beautiful life without marriage, then you don't go out seeking it so desperately and find right. yourself wrapped up with something that was not for you. So I tell my single friends this all the time. So I never was somebody that grew up thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to get married. I got to be married by this age. I got to have a child by this age. I'm somebody who was always about the journey and would meet people and engage and whatever. And it's like, oh, this this is something. This could be a thing. This could be a, a an interesting part of my journey. Um, and then, you know, I got married young, so you don't know what you're doing when you're young anyway, right? So right. when that first marriage ended, I was like, well... That was a hard lesson to learn. Um, ending it was the right decision. And now I can get to go about this journey of life with God who places me and has always placed me where he wants me to go. So I'm like, okay, bet. This is good. This is exciting. Um, wasn't dating. Wasn't looking around for anyone. Had this friend that I met some years back um, doing volunteer work. We, we met at a volunteer program with some kids or something. And... I used to talk to him about divorce because he had been married previously too and say, you know, have those conversations. Marriage isn't for everyone. Like this is, you know, it's kind of lame. And really, if you love yourself and you love solo travel and the things that I enjoy doing on my own, you, it just doesn't seem like something that's going to fit for me. He was like, cool, bet. I hear you. Yeah, whatever. I didn't he know was it. lying. He was straight up lying. <laughs> like I didn't like, he was. He was bullshit. He was, he was plotting. <laughs> I didn't, hey, if he was, I didn't. 
pick up on it because we, we would we would talk we would talk for hours and you know how he is you could sit up there and talk for, with him yes, for hours great really conversationalist great yes yes um and so but i would tell him this all the time like i'm not dating this is whatever i do my volunteer work whatever and there was one time he called me you know we used to hang out but mostly in groups right and i should tell this story let me just lay let me set the um please set the stage for this um, this was one, this was the first holiday after my divorce that I didn't have my daughter cause you know, uh, you know, co-parenting or whatever. So she had gone off with her dad and I decided, you know what, I'm going to skip the holiday. I'm going to stay home by myself. I didn't go to my mother's. I didn't go, um, to any girlfriends, anybody who extended an invitation. I was like, you know what? I like my own company. I'm going to stay home and watch the Macy's day parade by myself Yeah, and enjoy my company. So spent the holiday by myself. Fast forward to Saturday and, um, and I'm cleaning house because that's what I do to center myself, right? <laughs> and, and I'm watching old movies because that's also what I do to enjoy my time. And I was watching Catch Me with Catch Me If You Can with Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Hanks. Yeah. Love them both, right? Um, and I remember watching it and thinking, man, I hadn't seen a good movie in a long time. Literally, as I said that thought to myself, my, my phone goes off and it's a text message from this person whose mm-hmm. name we'll see at the end of the story. <laughs> And he's saying, hey, you want to go to a movie? And I'm like, we've never really just gone out by ourselves. But cool. Yeah, bet. Because I wanted to go to a movie. Yeah, it was like 11 o'clock in the morning, too. So I was like, eh, it's innocent. I'll go to the movie, do a matinee, come back to the house. I'll be home before dark. And um, uh, so I texted him back (laughs) and said, yeah, sure, we can do that. And he texted me this long list, and I'm going to lie, of all black movies. It's all black, black, black. And you know, we're black. That makes sense. Yeah. But I hit him back with, well, I really want to see Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood with Tom Hanks. (laughs) (laughs) And he was like, he texted back and he was like, I guess if I could put a bag over my head so (laughs) nobody sees me walking into the theater. Right. And so I'm like, cool. So we set it and um, set. set the time and went to a matinee. So we ended up going to the movie theater in Vestavia Hills. You know, it has the seats that recline and has a little bar there. And we both have our signature drinks that we like. And so we went there, got a drink, sat at the bar. Of course, by the time I got there, he was already there chatting it up with the bartender. Like, (laughs) he knew them. Right, And so I sat down, chatted up, and then we went to the theater. That movie, if anyone's not seen that movie, so good. It's so good. It's such a good, it caught me off guard. It was not anything that I was expecting. It was very emotional. It was very all of these things. And it was just a great movie. I'm going to gloss over a little bit of the fact that he started holding my hand in that movie. But I'll go ahead and say it. Now. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, don't, don't you dare. But see what happened. Did, 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 did. Okay. So, uh, but. See what. So when that first little pinky kind of. <laughs> what did you think? What did you think? So if I wish he was here. I so wish he was here. Because what he will tell you, and this is very true, and I think some of my close friends will recognize this about me, is that I have a board that meets in my head. Yeah. And that board is like there's – it's like <laughs> – Right. Don't, don't do that. It's like eight people at least that sit there and go, Nadia, you know, abort mission. And I, <laughs> it's a trap. It's a trap. Run. And, and the other one's like, girl, I don't know. I kind of like the way it feels. Right? <laughs> like it was like, 
like it was like this whole thing. But oh, the whole time, to be and then the other person right is then. like, people are gonna see you holding hands and think you're together. And the other person's like, I don't think I really care. This is a vibe. <laughs> and so it ended up being this whole thing. So that's going on as this movie is happening. And I'm kind of also very kind of stiff and kind of like, oh my gosh, what is happening? And then the movie ends, right? And we go back to the bar. And now we're sitting there having a drink. I saw that. And <laughs> y'all are straight up laughing at me. But I'm telling you, ask for the story. Yes. I'm giving you the story. We go back to the bar and we're talking with the bartender. And it's funny because the bartender said, you're going to love this movie. And when we came back, now we can't stop talking about right. it because it's just so much more than what we expected. Right. And we're talking about the themes and talking about family and talking about all these relationships and stuff that was happening and um, the rumors that existed about you know Mr. Rogers that ended up being debunked during the film. It was just so good. And we ended up staying there and talking until it was dark outside. And at this point, we're like, man, um, we should probably go get some dinner, right? <laughs> <laughs> this is, look at y'all. You're like, yeah, it was a whole setup. You don't know, but this was a whole setup. <laughs> y'all are so, y'all are, this is, I'm not even going to talk about the high five that y'all might not be. Like, this is, okay, so... <laughs> you asked for the story I'm giving you the now all oh, of Birmingham uh, now everybody everybody's gonna know the story but this is so now people who know us know us have heard the story <laughs> so we go to get some um, we go to the it's a black owned sushi place in Soho what's the name of that place um, Just it starts with a J yeah very great place very good place so we go there but the funny thing is we walk in Ginseng yeah Ginseng mm-hmm. we walk in and nobody's there so we're like oh maybe it's not open Right? Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, 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 we're totally open. Remember what I said about this is the Saturday after Thanksgiving? So nobody's there. Iron Bowl. And guess what? Neither one of us thought about it. We didn't think, oh, Iron Bowl. We weren't, we weren't. Didn't even cross your didn't mind. Didn't even cross our mind. Like, oh, it's, we at the movies. That's why there wasn't nobody in the movies. <laughs> like, it was just like, like maybe five people in there. And we go to this restaurant and nobody's there. So we're like, well, we're just going to sit here and Look, eat. You. Didn't know it was the Iron Bowl. <laughs> you didn't know the movie was gonna be empty. So you say you didn't know the restaurant so was gonna be empty. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm I'm call him out. I'm gonna call him out and be like, "Did you have this line up all along?" I don't even want to tell you the rest of the story now because now I feel like now no, I feel like I was totally set up. No, come on. Okay, come all right. On, so on. okay, the rest of the story is we sat there. Had another, you know, we're talking. Great conversation. We always have great conversation. And um, we both love theater. Like, uh-huh. I, you know, when I was in D.C., I go to New York sometimes, catch, show, catch shows in D.C. I would, every, any city I go to, I'm going to try and catch a show. Mm-hmm. So he talked about how he had lived in New York all those years and went to a lot of shows. And as he's naming some of the shows, I'm, like, blown away. He had seen the original um, Dreamgirls cast. He had seen James Earl Jones and Fences. Mm-hmm. He had done all of these things. And... I was just like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that. I love this. Um, I love these kind of things. Like, I can't even imagine what it must have been like to see these masters in their element in New York. And he goes. Because <laughs> I don't even want to say it. I don't because y'all are making me feel like. A sheep led to like <laughs> led to slaughter, yeah, right? baby. <laughs> Look, okay, let me jump in because she keeps she looking at I'm, me. I am looking come at on, you. Come on, come on. So, so, so real quick, I'll just I'm very expressive with my face. I see. Okay, all I, right. I, I, I am just marveling 
at the at, at how smooth this all was. <laughs> it was. It was very easy. But I, I will say our friendship has always been very easy. We're very both of us are pretty easygoing, laid back people, um, and we love to talk. Mm-hmm. So you know, all of that. The way the evening was going didn't cause any red. <laughs> like to go off in my head, I was like, "This is how we function, right? right? This is who we are." So, as what he's talking about theater, I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I can't imagine. Those must be great shows." He goes, "Well, I have some of the playbills at home." <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's gonna be. He's gonna. He's gonna laugh when he sees this. I was like, "Babe, I'm about to go here and talk about mental health." <laughs> And y'all getting just the whole fullness the of whole all of this stuff. Yes. But you asked. Mm-hmm. So this is what it is. So we go back oh, to his yeah. place. Now, I, now just my, to look at the playbills. <laughs> like, it's, you know, it's just cannot wait. This cannot look, wait. Look, I'm, look. And I had never been to his place before. So even though we had been friends, it was always like in social settings or with groups of people. I'd never been to his place before. So I was like, you know. We're having a good time. Go over and look at it. And of course, he has no idea how interesting of a place he has mm-hmm. and how enveloping it may be. I mean, he I'm sure he none of that ever crossed his mind. Yeah. He's, he's, he's a he's a perfect gentleman. <laughs> I ain't said nothing about perfect gentlemen. I, I'm talking about so, opportunists. Oh my gosh. So here's the thing. We go back to his place, mm-hmm. and guess what he pulls out? absolute box of the playbills. Playbill. So it's not like he was lying. No. He had and it was not just the playbills because we're both we're both kind of nerdy, right? Yeah. Like we're we like history, we like art, we like culture. It's like it is what I'm it is. I'm sure a few you know. were autographed. To, you know what I mean? Hey my man. <laughs> <laughs> so and here so here's the other thing. So he's showing me the playbills and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is beautiful. I can't imagine. He also keeps historic newspapers and not just the clippings, like the full newspaper. So he had full newspapers of different, you know, historical events that happened in the US. Then he shows me that he, and I'd heard he had started a magazine back in the day, yeah. but he has copies of the magazine. Well, I was like, I used to read that magazine. I had no idea that that was your magazine. So we're talking, vibing. Oh, see, at that moment, your mind was like, it was meant to be. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Charles Barkley, call for a Redmond and water at bars and restaurants throughout the great state of Alabama. Redmond Vodka, available at select ABC stores and package stores. Redmond Vodka is eight times distilled, gluten-free, and is made from non-GMO corn. Looking to support a local business? Redmond Distilling is Alabama proud and minority-owned. Learn more online at redmonddistilling.com. Aside from your own, name a charity that you're fond of. Can I name more than one? You sure can. So I would say um, locally, mm-hmm. Stream Innovations is a, um, it. it's a STEM 
program, science, technology, reading. Oh my gosh, she's going to be so mad. I don't know all the things, but mm. Dr. Adrian Starks from mm. Fairfield started it. Mm-hmm. And I think that they're doing some great things. And, you know, so I think that that's, and, and I'm just supportive of her as a friend. Okay. Um, so I'll say that because it's local. Okay. Um, nationally, we've partnered with uh, Black Girls Smiles out of Atlanta, okay. which is a mental health program for black girls. Um, the Southern Black Girls and Women's Consortium, who has uh, provided us funding, which makes it possible for us to do free counseling. Great, great organization that supports black women-led, mostly um, nonprofit organizations in the South. And the Center for Black Health and Equity, which is located in North Carolina, another really great partner. And fun fact. No, the, not, not, well, yes, if you got a fun yes, fact. Yes, fun fact. We mm-hmm. curated their mental health page on their website, and it went live today, which is Black History Month. And that is www.what? Center for Black Health Equity. I don't know. I got to find it out. Okay, well, y'all look that up. <laughs> But they're and they are actually coming to Birmingham um, in the last day of Black History Month to do a program with us at the Birmingham Civil Rights Institute. Well, if you don't answer one of these questions, you're going to be making donations to all of those. Oh gosh, what's the question? But they're they're easy. They're okay. easy. I promise. Mm-hmm. So, Biggie or Tupac? Tupac, easy. Beach or lake? Beach. Easy. Alabama State or Alabama A&M? Ooh, I finally got her. I finally got her. Yes. Why would yes. you do that? <laughs> Why would you do that? Do, okay, waiting. so Okay, oh, mm. I can't even believe. So all my people at ASU... I'm so supportive and I so love you, but I'm going to tell you I have to I have to um say A&M for a number of reasons. When I lived in Huntsville, I lived around the corner not too far from there. Okay. I was at homecomings all the time. Okay. I was at the Dawn Till Dust parties back in the day. <laughs> okay. So, like that was a whole vibe. That was a whole thing in and of itself, and I learned how to play a mean game of spades what you don't want to do is see me at the table i'm gonna put that out there and that happened to a&m oh yeah i see that i see your faces yeah you don't want it i promise you i promise you the skills that i honed in huntsville alabama it's not what you want i'm gonna let the guests be right i'm gonna (laughs) let the guests be right (laughs) sloss furnace or vulcan park i'll say vulcan park because I am terrified of the um, of haunted houses and what Sloss does every, every October. I, so I'm gonna say Vulcan. I like to be up in the sky. What Vulc, what what Sloss does scares me. Birmingham Zoo or McWayne Science Center? Zoo. Crossplex or Legion Field? Mm, that's hard. Mm. That's hard. And I'll even say McWayne and. Uh, and the zoo were hard, too, because I have great memories of taking to my, my daughter to McWayne. So that was hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Legion, this class is just, you know, I will, I'll say, oh, you know what? I'll say um, Crossplex for a couple of reasons. Um, uh, they were, the city sponsored a lot of our first conferences, and mm-hmm. we used to host them at the Crossplex so that they would give us that place. Um and allow us to host our, our our annual conference there. But also, my daughter, who is 13 now, runs track. 
and her track meets are there. And she placed a couple, she placed a record last track season there. This track season, she's a little off, but you know, she, she's, she's something. So, so I will say crossplex for that. Protective stadium or legacy arena? You know what? I'm going to say legacy arena because I am currently a member at Rock City Church, and we are hosting <laughs> our um, church anniversary there this Sunday. Awesome. So I'm going to say that. And I owe him a visit to you all's church. He's been inviting me like oh, the past on. couple of weeks. Maybe I'll come this Sunday. Oh, it's going to be so. So the Zoom call I told you I was on before yeah. we started was with the church because I'll be serving. I'll be doing whatever they tell I me to do. have to come. Come on, Sunday. Railroad Park or Botanical Gardens? That, I just, oh. Mm. I, mm. <laughs> I got her. <laughs> so I, 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 oh, now I will genuinely, genuinely say I love both of them. Okay. But I'll use this opportunity as a shameless plug. Okay. March 1st, we are hosting a um, Women's History Month luncheon. At the Botanical Gardens. And the theme of the luncheon is Black Women's Legacy of Wellness. So I'm going to go ahead and say Botanical Gardens because that's what we're doing um, on March 1st. Now, that we know you a little bit. Oh, gosh. I want to know what you do. I want to know everything. I want to know about the change from No More Martyrs, Mm -hmm. the partnership. What do you have on your plate coming up? I mean, well, the big thing for us this year is the name change, right? We rebranded and relaunched from No More Martyrs to the Black Women's Mental Health Institute. First of all, how did you? I forgot how you came up with No More Martyrs. No more more martyrs. martyrs. Okay, so in more and martyrs, right back to back, it tears me up. But I so I love the name, which is why we didn't let the name go. It's mm-hmm. now a program that exists within the institute. Mm-hmm. But um, in when I was in grad school, my research was on the experiences of Black female college students with mental health concerns at predominantly white institutions, and I collected data from three large um, universities. And in doing my analysis, one of the things that came out was this concept of you know the strong Black woman feeling as though I don't deserve to ask for help. I have to keep pushing. I have to keep persevering. Nobody expects me to be vulnerable. And I used uh, Black feminist thought and critical race feminism to do my analysis. And there is a concept that exists within critical race feminism about martyrdom. And it essentially says that society has um, positioned Black women to be of service to everyone else but themselves. So essentially, they're martyring themselves while carrying everybody else on their back. So they do that to their own detriment. And sometimes times to their own demise. So that's where the name Martyr came from. But the reason I applied it to the name of our organization is that after I finished grad school and I was traveling to different universities and speaking about the research, um, three notable black women were lost to suicide in 2013 or 14. I think it was 13 or 14. Hmm. And one of them was T.T. Branch. So for black women who our natural. She was the co-founder of Miss Jessie's Hair Products okay. out of New York, and she was lost to suicide. Simone Battle, who was a contestant on The X Factor, you know, one of those singing shows. Yeah. And you know, those singing shows, you don't have to <clears throat> win them for your career to kind of take off. So right. she didn't win, but she did join a girls group, and they recorded, and they were about to go on tour, and then she was lost to suicide. And then Karen, 
white. Who's the singer that we were just talking about? Karen Washington is the singer. Mm-hmm. So Karen White was a um, blogger, and she had a blog called um, For Brown Girls. And in this blog, she talked about her own mental health journey. She talked about um, the representations of black women in the media. Um, she actually had this campaign called the Red Lip Campaign because of some hip-hop artists that said dark-skinned women shouldn't be wearing bright lips. And she was like, F you and what you think about a black woman and what she could wear. And um, and she also talked about colorism because she was a very dark-skinned black woman who was you know teased for her complexion. And we lost her to suicide. And so all three of these women, the thing that they have in common is that they were educated, um, successful in their careers, um, financially stable, if not thriving, and um, and and very beautiful. Like if you saw them, they were very beautiful women. And so they got coverage from like, you know, Essence, Huffington Post, Ebony, you know, all these people kind of wrote stories about them because they had a following. Mm-hmm. And one of the reporters in a article around Karen said, Karen will always be remembered as a martyr. The problem is we don't need anymore. And I remember reading that and mm-hmm. it hit me and I connected it back to the research I was doing and how we use the concept of martyr. And I was like, you know what? No more. We don't no more martyrs. We don't need any more of this. So that's where the name came from. I liked it. Yeah. So it's it's a near and dear to our heart. It was when we got to the place where we knew we were growing, mm-hmm. um, it's, you know, we were like, okay, it's time to rebrand in a different way. Um, I was very intentional about not losing the name. First of all, people know us for that name now. Sure. Um, but then second of all, it's meaningful to me. Like I, it's connected to research I conducted. It's correct, connected to this loss. It tells the story of how we were created. Um, so I knew I wanted to keep it. So that's how it became the No More Martyrs Sisterhood Support Collective, a program that exists uh, under the Black Women's Mental Health Institute. Now, with the Black Women's Mental Health Institute, what ca- what capacity do you all have? Like, what are you all doing? doing? Well, I could tell you one of the things right off the top of my head, we offer over, we provide over 100 hours of free counseling every month. But I'm saying like your your target market, mm-hmm. black women, children, I'm saying the full gambit. First, who is your target? Black women and girls. Yeah. Um, okay. Throughout the state and around the country. So black women and girls. Okay. But if people come to us and they need a particular service, we don't typically... Th- Push, uh, turn people away either. So okay. we do provide quite a bit of services to black men mm-hmm. and then to some people who are not black, but a handful. Okay. What is 2023 going to look like for you? It's going to be our, it's going to, it's already, it's already happening. Mm-hmm. It's going to take off and it's like a rocket. It really is. It's already happening. It's, we, the conversations we're having when I call people in New York and Cali, in Utah and DC, they already know who we are. Yeah, and it's to me that that blows me away. Often is to call someone and say, "Oh, I already knew you. I already. Kn- I just got interviewed by Teen Vogue, and I think somebody reached out recently from a- NBC. Like these are things that are happening, and we're kind of like a team of four mm. in Birmingham, Alabama, um, and it's and it's happening, and I'm super excited. I believe that. Um, I think that anything is possible. Um, a lot of what we're doing, even though we're a national organization, most of our programming is within the state, but we're getting so much um, support and interest that we're piloting, we're, we're, things that we're doing here, 
are we're going to pilot in other states. So we're talking to Louisiana, we're talking to Florida, we're talking to Georgia. Um, really, we're going to do the southern region first. Um, mm-hmm. But we do have people that call in all the time from California. We had some woman call in recently from New Hampshire that it was looking so for wonderful. stuff. So it's, it's exciting. And we do get a lot of international support because before the pandemic, we did travel to Brazil. And we went to Salvador and did a video um, recording of black women there who are speaking about their mental health and we toured a mental health facility. Um, and all of that, that, that entire trip was uh, organized by Vidas, uh, Vidas Negros Importantum, which is Portuguese for Black Lives Matters helped us organize that. Awesome. So it's and so now we did that trip and it's like we're interested in mental health in the black diaspora. So we're interested in going to the UK because there's some really great black mental health work being done there. We're interested in going to Jamaica, which is where my family is from. Um, and Haiti and um, Ghana and Nigeria, because there's some interesting mental health work being done in those places as well. Now, how can people get in touch with you? Um, you can go to our website. It's bwmhi.org and reach out to us by email and sign up for our newsletter. Follow us on all social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, what have you. Um, and just stay abreast of all the things that we're doing. You can reach out to us that way and re- really kind of stay on top of what we have going on. Now, I got one question. When I, I love how your focus is black women, because I have a similar desire to help black men, like, mm-hmm. you know, like. Ain't nobody saying, all right, I want the brothers. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, when men criticize black women, mm-hmm. it and, and I'm talking about the, you know, nothing is everybody, right? I'm just saying kind of what it seems like mm-hmm. is when you criticize one black woman, you criticize them all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You you have yeah. a look on you. Tell me about that. So here's here's the advice I typically give women. You know, there's all this conversation going on about gaslighting and, you know, disrespecting women and black women in particular and how black men do it to women. This is what I say often is that communicate communication is so important, right? Mm-hmm. It is really not a battle of a sexist that's happening in the black community. It's us defaulting to how society has socialized us away from each other. Right. Like the expectation and pressures that have been placed on men and the expectation and pressures that have been placed on women um, hinder our abilities to communicate. What you're talking about is a byproduct of that. And what I typically say, because I am always going to protect black women, is to never let a toxic or abusive man call you crazy, especially a, a man, any man who is not prioritizing his own introspection and his own mental wellness by tapping into mental health professionals to work through his own hostility and toxicity. And that happens often, right? Women who come into first come to our organization for mental health services and it's like they're caught in an abusive relationship. Some guy told her she wasn't trash. Some guy told her she was crazy for asking for them to go to marriage counseling or asking um, for her to be respected or treated well and, you know, being told that they were too much and asking for too much and then, then they're just crazy or, you know, you're just not, you're bipolar or whatever, what have you. 
Any man that we use those words and weaponize them against you is not the person that you're supposed to be with. No one who loves you and supports you and wants to protect and provide for you is going to talk to you like that. That's something that you need to leave immediately. Um, now, the only caveat to that is if it's someone who recognizes that they are being abusive, that they are being toxic, and then they take and do the work to take care of themselves and fix that. And that, that goes into counseling and men do have access to those kind of things. Like I said, we see a lot of men, um, with the, with the services we provide here in Birmingham, there is brothers let's talk. And I'll tell you, like I do this work on a national stage, um, and you know, go all over the place, but I've never seen more black men in one event talking about mental health than I did here in Birmingham, Alabama, when brothers let's talk did something. And so they sponsored my mental my um therapy for a while yeah like they're they're doing some real work and i think um i think that there's a lot of potential we've partnered with them before um there's uterus i think is he's out of one of the carolinas and he's got national attention for the work that he's doing in black mental health and also focuses on black men and he's a former athlete he's someone who talks about his own diagnosis um so there are pockets of black men brandon marshall like there are a lot of individuals black men who are now sharing these stories talking about it and encouraging other black men to take those steps that they need to take to take care of themselves because what happens is when they don't they're damaging the relationship that they have with with black women last question Mm -hmm. is everybody crazy no I'm, Crazy is such a bad word, too. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I, you know, but does everybody have a little diagnosis going on somewhere? So here's the thing that I always say when it comes to that. So the quick answer is no. Okay. Or So there are or, some people out here that are normal. No. Because... <laughs> I know. I'm so, like, I'm so just curious. We got we to gotta break down those terms, too, okay. because let me tell you something. I, okay. We got to contextualize what crazy means, right? Mm -hmm. I am doing what doesn't make sense by launching an organization and quitting my job to do so. That's crazy, right? Pastor Mike Jr. that you you just talked about, you should come to church with us on Mm -hmm. Sunday, right? He'll tell you all the time that he was doing what he did when there were five people in the room, right? And now he's selling out arenas and he's got this music career. That's, he's doing the impossible. Like he's doing the stuff, See, right? Those aren't, cr- but no, no, I'm no, 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 you, no, 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 those are not no, crazy. No, this is what I got to contextualize, right? Because mm-hmm. crazy and normal, what's normal? Normal is going to, to work every single day and doing what is supposed to be. Re- we, we have to put some context and some layers to these definitions. I, and I've shared this on multiple platforms. I am a black woman living with the diagnosis of high-functioning, rapid-cycling bipolar 2, right? Am I crazy? Yeah. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> you know I he love gonna make, you. He's going to make me fight him, right? He gonna make, so, but let me tell you. Let me tell you. No, like most, you're no, one no, of no. the most normal people but, I know. But, 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 crazy and normal let me tell you something With, i'm sorry but that's why i'm saying because we default back to those and those are ultimately um stereotypes right mm-hmm. with that diagnosis and i'm living my life and doing my work right it's not my diagnosis why people call me crazy people call me crazy when i left my marriage mm-hmm. right people call me crazy when i left a job that was toxic people call me crazy for speaking my mind 
about things that I'm passionate about and calling people out who no, needed to be called. I call you crazy because we take goofy pictures I know. Together. Now, you know, we, <laughs> we on some other stuff, right? That's, that's different. So, like, people... You have to be sure of yourself to not be um, beaten down by these concepts of being crazy. So that's one thing I do want to say is that we have to get away from using those words crazy and normal because crazy can be stigmatizing to where someone who has mental health concerns doesn't want to seek those things out because they don't want to be seen as crazy. Normal because that hinders us from living to the fullness of everything that we're, we're, we're uh, capable of because you want to live a normal life. A normal life can be safe. Making normal decisions are safe decisions. You can't change the world making safe decisions. So I don't necessarily want to be normal and you don't necessarily need to call me crazy, right? <laughs> right you know what I'm right, saying? Like right. we don't need to, we need to move away from those terms. And then when you're asking me, is everyone crazy? Everyone should be concerned about their mental health. And this is the best way I can explain it. Um, Mental health and mental illness. They're two different things, but they're often terms that are used interchangeably, right? So mental health is just your health. Mental illness is when you have something that's a diagnosable concern because it's negatively impacting your ability to go about your life in a healthy manner. Uh, Another example of that is every single one of us should be worried about our health, right? We should be eating properly, sleeping, um, eating good vegetables, exercising, taking care of our bodies, right? There are some people who can do all of those things, right? Um, but they are, um, it, it runs in their family, high blood pressure, right? So they can have high blood pressure issues and there's nothing they can do, right? So they can be hypertensive. They can do all the right things and be hypertensive. Or you could do all the right things and stay out of that. But if you're not doing those things, you can become hypertensive, right? Mental health is very much the same way. Every single one of us should be concerned about our mental health. Whether it runs in your family or not, you should be eating properly, having healthy relationships, getting good sleep, um, making sure you take time to be quiet to yourself, center yourself, positive self-talk, all of those things. If you happen to have a traumatic experience, it can put you in the space of mental illness, right? So say, you know, there was one woman that came to one of our advocacy groups and she was in a car accident and lost her leg. That's very traumatic. She has no mental illness that runs in her family, but that put her into a state of deep clinical depression. So now a traumatic experience has put her into space of having a mental illness, right? So we should all be concerned about our mental illness because, or mental health, because we, at any moment, we could have an incident that puts us in the place, place of being mentally ill. Now, there are some people where it runs in their family, like it runs in my family. It's on my dad's side. So there are some people that they can do all the right things, but they're still going to experience something, and that can put them in the space of mental illness. So then they need extra layers of support. They might need medication. They might need ongoing counseling. But there's a difference there. There isn't anything that I could have done to not be bipolar 2 or living with bipolar 2. Because it runs in my family. So those are the differences. We also, I think, so you're asking, is, does everybody have mental health? Yes. Everybody should be worried about their mental health. Does everybody have mental a mental illness? No. Not everyone has a mental illness. Could anyone find themselves in this? Do most people have these motherfuckers crazy. I'm just saying. So look, what you want, you want the quick and easy. That's what it is. No, you just, No, you want the quick and easy. It's not but, what I want. It's, those it's, are generalizations. It's, well, yeah. So no, one, no, no, no. one in five. Let me tell you what I one, One in five. So if, if you want the statistic, this is CDC, right, 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 this is right. APA, these are the organizations that do this natural work, or the NIH, these are the people that do the work. One in four or one in five, there's four of us in here right now, you already know I got a diagnosis. So one in four or one in five individuals is living with a mental uh, health concern, yes. I call bullshit because everybody in here. Oh my gosh, he really is don't do crazy. This. 
I want to thank my goofy. I even though you've moved churches, I still call you my church family. We are family. Yeah, we are. I want to thank Dr. Nadia, soon to be Johnson, <laughs> with <laughs> for joining us. I want to thank you all for listening. And as always, a huge shout out to Creed 63, R360News, and UrbanHam.com. Got a shout out? Um, I would just like to thank you for this opportunity. And um, I'm looking forward to staying connected and sharing even more about the work we're doing. And I will shout out my fiance, Mr. Roy S. Johnson. (laughs) God bless. Citizens Trust Bank, in service to the community since 1921. Here at Citizens Trust Bank, we've built ourselves on your trust. Trust that comes from stability, solidarity, and being a good community partner. We're proud to serve the Magic City by helping you turn your financial goals into reality. Whether it's saving for your child's education, to buying that dream home or vehicle, to starting or building your business, CTB has been there and will continue to be here to be a trusted advisor for all of life's milestones. We welcome the opportunity to earn your business and to serve you in the best capacity possible. Visit us online at ctbconnect.com or visit us at our location at 1700 Third Avenue North. We are Citizens Trust Bank. The bank that has been here is currently here and will continue to be here to serve the community.